If you're over 40 and want to be the best version of yourself, Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence is here to help. Clarence Ferguson is a seasoned loan officer, fitness expert, personal chef, and entrepreneur who leads a revolution of men and women who want to live their best life going into middle age. Inspiring dialogue, challenging topics, and industry leaders are here offering tips and how-tos to improve your life. Now, here's Coach Clarence. All right, everybody, welcome to Fit Over 40. I'm your host, Coach Clarence, and uh, today we're going to be talking a little real estate. Uh, we're going to be talking about things in the market, and um, so you can find out what's happening and how it affects your world. So my guest today is Heather Rodriguez. She is a realtor, and Heather, go ahead and tell everybody about yourself. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. So, um, yeah, my name is Heather Rodriguez. I am a realtor with EXP Realty. I have a team, the Rodriguez Group, and we serve pretty much all of the Valley. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So um, I always like to get people's background and how they got in the business and how they got to where they are. So let's go back. Before you were the realtor at large, how did you get into this business? Wow. So... I spent over 20 years in corporate America. Okay. I was a regional vice president uh, for Service Master American Home Shield, which is a home warranty company. The, uh, home warranty company. Before that, I was a regional director for waste management for several years, and I traveled a ton. Mm -hmm. So I was gone a lot, and I always felt like I wanted to do my own business, but I just never knew what I could do. Mm-hmm. And one thing I realized was that I loved Arizona so much, I never wanted to live anywhere else. Yeah. So. Do you feel that way now with this heat? I love Arizona. <laughs> oh I was God. born here and I'll never, uh, ever live anywhere else. <laughs> I love this it. This heat is something else. <laughs> I'd rather be hot than cold for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I figured, why not sell Arizona? Okay. If you love something so much and you know business, which is different than maybe some people that get into the business, I could utilize that experience to better serve my clients. Gotcha. gotcha. So I started the process. I got my license. I put a business plan together. I, you know, worked it out with my husband, what our goals were going to be or our plan. And I gave myself a year. So I quit my job and I gave myself a year. And I said, if I can hit these goals, then I can continue in real estate. If I don't, then I have to go back and get a job. Gotcha. So I'm still here. So and I'm so doing okay. How long has it been since you started? In August, it'll be five years. Wow. Okay. Congratulations. Okay. So obviously, there's so much going on. Why don't you tell everybody what's really happening in the market for those who are sitting on the fence at home, not sure what they want to do? So I think there's so many things going on and so many different perspectives. It's frightening to people. Mm -hmm. We throw lots of numbers around and everybody can kind of spin the numbers in one way or another. But the reality is the market is becoming or is coming back into balance. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, with your background and your show, balance is a good thing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> balance is always a good thing. It's never good to have too much of anything. So we've had... For so many for so many years, we've had so much um, craziness from a seller's perspective, where sellers are getting great dollars for their homes and equities going at crazy rates, and it's just been out of balance. 
I mean, it's not been a good experience for buyers. Mm-hmm. It's not been a good experience for realtors. Yeah. I list a lot of homes, and it's not really fun when you're in those um, competitive situations where you have all these people who want your home, and you're trying to do your job the most fair way but still serve your client. Yeah. So as as many people think that it was a great time, it was still difficult for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. So balance is good. Yeah. And what we're seeing now is all the numbers are indicating that we're coming into a more balanced market where it'll be a fair playing field for buyers and sellers. And all that means is now we can get back to the basics of real estate mm-hmm. and allowing buyers to look at several homes and pick the home they love, allowing sellers and buyers and buyers agents and sellers agents to all work together and negotiate and create win-win solutions. Are you still seeing a rush as far as like when you got to get an offer in right away, like I remember when you could show four or five houses in a day and go, well, we'll sleep on it. We'll think about it now. I mean, I don't know if it's still the same now, but can you still do that or you got to decide on something? The market has slowed down. Okay. So depending upon your price point and the condition of the home, there are people that are sleeping on it and they can mm-hmm. kind of talk it over and pick between one or two or three homes. So that's actually a good thing because then people are coming into the property knowing that's exactly the one they want, and we're not seeing as many homes fall out of escrow in the 10-day inspection. Gotcha. So it's actually a good thing. So talk about the the 10-day inspection. What is that period all about, and what is what are the pros and cons of that inspection period? So the 10-day inspection is really the buyer's opportunity to take a look at the property, make sure that it's in the condition that they feel comfortable with. They should get their uh, general inspection. They should get the roof looked at, the AC, check for termites. If it's an older home, definitely check the sewage lines from the street to the house. Um, They should also do checks on the crime rate in the area, maybe the schools. Anything that would hinder them from wanting to move forward with that house, Mm -hmm. that's the time that they need to do that. Now, are you allowed to say, like, if it's a really bad neighborhood, or do you just got to go, well, you got to do your own homework? Well, it's best that the buyer does their own research and their own homework. I mean, there's lots of websites out there that will give information on crime statistics or even sex offenders. There's different things like that, and it's really your job as a realtor to give them the tools for them to do the research on Mm -hmm. their own on the things that are most important to them. Yeah. So the inspection day, really, if there are things wrong with the house or there's some major challenge, you can either negotiate or figure out if the seller is going to fix it or is it a chance for the buyer to go, let me think about this. I don't really know if I want this one now that I know this. Yeah. So a lot of times sellers will get concerned and saying, you know, what if it's a bad inspection or what if they find that the roof is old or what if they this? It doesn't mean that the deal's dead. Mm-hmm. It really is just an opportunity to negotiate. Gotcha. So let's say the seller does find something that's a big issue for them. We can come to terms and split that cost between the buyer and the seller. We can come up with all kinds of different solutions. Mm-hmm. So there's always a way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can't come to an agreement, then there's the opportunity for the buyer to cancel the contract, and they can still get their earnest money back, which is most important for them. Yeah. All right. Very good. So who you're, – you're on the listing side. Why do you like listing versus representing the buyers? Uh, I do like representing buyers too. Mm-hmm. So I do both, but I do a lot more listings. And I think the reason is I have a marketing background so and sales background. So my favorite thing is to market and showcase and 
really kind of create a whole plan around selling every house. So to me, every time I get a new house, it's like I have a new toy that I get to wrap and present and present to the world. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> want you to give away all your secrets, but what do you? How do you market a house? How would you market my home? Let's say um, I say, all right, Heather, I want you to market. I want you to list my home. How would you do it? So there's lots of things that you can do. Um, obviously, everybody uses the MLS. They all put a sign. We'll market it on um, the different websites that are out there. But I like to leverage social media. Mm. And I utilize all different facets of social media because I feel like there's different types of buyers within every different platform. And I'll market your home differently to those places. So because of my background, I have a lot of uh, contacts in LinkedIn and there are people all around the country because of the jobs that I've had. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll market your home as a great winter home or a great vacation home. Why not look at this property for this? If you're on a golf course, this is a great property for this, this, this. So I'll market your home that way on LinkedIn. But then I'll utilize Facebook to market locally because I know people are looking locally. Mm-hmm. But then I also um, I track the trends of migration like where people are moving here from. Mm-hmm. And I do paid advertisements on um, Instagram, Facebook, on those two platforms and um, market to those people who are moving here. Wow. So just try to leverage as many different avenues as possible to get sure. your home in front of the right people. Um, <clears throat> what are you seeing um, as far as challenges now in real estate that you didn't see a couple years ago? Besides the rush and prices, and what are some things that you're noticing that are more challenging than you may have expected? I think the biggest challenge right now and even probably going forward will be helping buyers and sellers understand that the market is shifting. So I think that's going to be really an education opportunity for us as real estate agents to educate people on the shift in the market. I know that some people... um, are stating that this shift is going to lead to another crash, but all of the economists and the statistics and the data and the trends don't support that. Mm -hmm. So we don't want buyers to stop and hold because they're waiting for a crash and miss out on an opportunity. Um, But we also need to educate sellers that if we do list your home, we're not going to see that same rush of 20 offers that first weekend right. you know there's nothing wrong with a home being on the market for 30 days or what's 45 too long days. for you <laughs> like if some what, what's give me an example of something where you're like wow it's not moving and what do you do well i think there's different situations a lot of times um if you're not seeing a certain amount of showings on a property then there's clearly something that's maybe not right on price point or um or how you're maybe you're marketing it. But if you, I mean, if, and then if you see so many showings and you don't get offers, you've got to assess all the feedback to get a better understanding of why, what's going on with the property. Mm-hmm. A price adjustment isn't always the answer. Sometimes through the feedback, we'll find that maybe some things need to be addressed with the property. And we can take you that mean how route. it looks or yeah, like maybe, um, for example, I've had a home where it had different color rooms and every every room it had different color paint. And that just didn't didn't settle right with buyers. And some people will say, well, it's just paint. I'll paint it. But for whatever reason, it wasn't it wasn't settling right. So people weren't putting an offer. Mm-hmm. 
Well, instead of reducing the price, we just took the opportunity to take it off market, have them paint it one neutral color. We put it back on the market, and lo and behold, we had three offers. And those are conversations that we have up front before listing, but sometimes people prefer to go on market as they are. Mm -hmm. But then again, it's really a communication piece where we talk about the feedback and we talk about the cost of reducing versus making uh, an improvement. And then the seller can weigh out which option they want to take. So have you ever encountered a property you were just like, I'm not doing that. I'm not listing. Or maybe a when I'm, I've heard from other realtors that sometimes certain sellers are just difficult to work with or they think their house is worth more. How do you deal with those kind of controversies? Everybody thinks their house is worth more. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> uh, everyone thinks it's worth more. I think I've been pretty lucky. I get a lot of people that are referred to me. Mm-hmm. So I really haven't had a lot of bad experiences with people yeah. that are difficult to work with. Um, I think it's really you have to be up front and set the right expectation in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think what I have found is that because I try to be very direct and set the right expectation, if somebody chooses not to work with me because of that, I would prefer that Mm -hmm. because then they go on their way and I go on my way and we're all fine. Much better to just do that Mm -hmm. than get into a whole a whole relationship together where you're putting money into marketing and doing all these things, and then they're frustrated and you're frustrated. Yeah. So it's just better to be upfront and set the right expectation. Gotcha. So um, do you work by yourself? Do you have a team? So I do have a team. We just started our team in November of okay. last year. So I had been a solo agent all this time. And um, I have two people on my team. So we're small. But we do a a good amount of business. So I have a gal named Marla Arzaga, and she covers pretty much all the East Valley with me. So pretty much East Valley prominent. And then we have another gentleman, Chris Attell, and he's really Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, and into the Central Phoenix, West Valley. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that as we continue to grow and continue to be busy, we will continue growing our team. Uh, it's just been more important to me to find the right people, the right fit, and make sure that we're all working together the way we want to versus just having people come on board and and just get numbers. Gotcha. Um, so what's important for you when you're working with a, a lender? Because I have a lot of lenders who listen. What's important to you when you have a lending relationship? I think the most important thing is responsiveness. A lender who's going to be responsive when I need them, responsive when my client needs them, um, and completely honest and transparent. Uh, that's key. Even if it's bad, you want, <laughs> Even well, <if> it's <laughs> this is not good. I just need to know because I would never want to put my client in a bad spot if they're not ready. I mean, if they're financially not ready, I wouldn't want to put them in a bad spot and have them incur more costs with an inspection and an appraisal and all those things, or even the emotional stress of it all. So for me, if a a lender is responsive and they're honest and I know that I can trust them throughout the process, that's key. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, because things happen. I mean, not so much on your your end, other than maybe an appraisal doesn't come in or that you find out something. We just had a deal fall out because – we found out the house was in probate. It, it, oh, I mean, wow. the people, the relatives were arguing about it, So we were just dead in the water because yeah. they, it, yeah, and it's just, That's it bad. was nothing wrong. So, you know, we called the other agent and 
we all just talked and it was just what it was. Sometimes people just, even though we tell them all the time, don't go do this, don't people still go buy a car or they, you know, max out their credit cards. And I always try to tell people that they're going to run a soft pull just to make sure nothing's changed. They will check your job in some cases. Um, so these kind of things matter, but people get excited. They got the new house. Well, I'm going to start this new job. Or, I'm going to go out and buy furniture. <laughs> now your debt ratio is higher. And it's like, we have to be, so, I mean, most of the time we can save it. It's not too bad, but it's going to cause a delay sometimes because they want to verify that, hey, you got the funds to do this and all that good stuff. So, all right. So one of the things um, about my shows, I get professionals like yourself who are generally over 40 and we try to talk about you mentioned in real estate, there's a balance coming back. How do you balance? Are you a mom? I didn't mm-hmm. know. Okay. Yeah. So how do you balance being a mom, being a professional, having a team, having a husband? How do you balance all that? <laughs> That's hard. Um, actually, I think it's really just trying to prioritize the things that are most important to you and trying to calendar a lot. Um, when I got into this this business, I realized like I don't have to go to work at eight o'clock or I don't come home at five o'clock. So what I'd find is that I'd be working till 10 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and it can just consume you. So you have to really start to build a time block Mm -hmm. on doing things, one for yourself, one for your job and one for your family. Mm -hmm. And that's been most important to me. So I start my day every morning by working out because that's taking care of me. And by taking care of me, I can clear my head, clear my mind, get myself strong and feeling good and energetic for the day so I could serve my clients better, be better for my family and just make it through the day. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, And then I focus my day, my time. It's all day I'm working, but by five, six o'clock, I really try to shut it down so I can spend time with my family. Is that a hard no for you? Like, Usually what I find is really successful people have certain things that they don't bend on. It could be what days they don't work. Do you have anything like that? No. I you're work just, every day. Every day it doesn't matter. <laughs> I still, well, I still feel like it's my job to do right by clients. And if sure. clients need to show or see houses on a Saturday or Sunday, I need to be there for them. I need mm-hmm. to be accessible. But, okay. I mean, if I have plans with my family, then that's why I have a team. And yeah, my team yeah, can help me. And it really has helped create more balance for me as well is just having people who I know work at the same level I do so mm-hmm. I can depend on them. So I have a friend who's a new agent, and anytime I know I'm going to interview someone like you, I get questions that people want to know. And she wants to know how does it work, or let's say she has a listing, but she can't be there, and someone from her office or whoever she's partnering with does it. How does she get paid? Do they split it, or is it the person who actually sat and showed the home? There's some confusion with, I think, newer people. How does that work? So she's... So it's her listing, but let's say she's sick or out of town or something, so she has someone fill in for her. Who gets the commission if someone comes in and makes an offer? Like fill in for her at an open house? Yes, open house on a listing. So the way I do it, I mean, the way I've always understood it is if it's my listing and you're doing an open house for me as an agent, you're using that open house to learn to build your own business and to get your name in front of clients. So if you were to meet an age or a prospect who wanted the home, I would expect that you would write an offer and submit it to me. So you would now be representing that buyer's agent as the mm-hmm. buyer's agent. And then I would represent the client that I have on the listing as the listing oh, agent. Okay. So, so that's how I've so. always done it. But I know some listing agents maybe have different rules about they want a referral fee or they want whatever. 
But I feel if somebody's helping to showcase my listing, then if they find a buyer, that should belong to them. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So what are some do's and don'ts if you're putting your house on the market? Besides the obvious, but you know in our business, <laughs> obvious is not obvious. <laughs> the do's and don'ts definitely declutter. Clean, clean, clean. Clean your home. Um, take down a lot of the personal stuff. Really, really just make it like you're having a party or you're having people come over because you want it to have its best look when people come through. So you kind of like I think buying like for at least for me when I go on someplace I'm gonna um, move into I always try to visualize what it's like in the future. Is this is a yeah. good place to have parties? You know, is is the backyard a certain way? Is there room for children to run? Or is that kind of the same thing you're saying? Like yeah, so you want to make it showcase on maybe some of the things you like. So if you do like to entertain and your backyard is set up for great things, maybe you put out your cornhole set or you know some of your lounge chairs or your if you have really nice pillows and stuff around your pillow or a a fire pit jazz it up as you would for a party so that people can kind of see what it's like to experience living there so those things are important i also think it's really important about smells and stuff a lot of us have dogs and cats and pets and our own little so would you like let's say I had, you know, five dogs and it was mm-hmm. just hair everywhere, would you like say maybe we should get the carpets clean? Probably need to get the carpets the clean, get the floor and Yeah. You've gotta definitely manage that because not everybody has dogs and not everybody um feels the same about your dogs as they do about their dogs. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> so, that's, that's true. <laughs> so you definitely gotta get that. I always think washing the windows is good, it's gonna come out better in the pictures. Mm-hmm. Um but really just put your best foot forward and and listen to your realtor. Mm-hmm. I mean, every realtor is going to go through and walk with you and kind of give you guidance on what you can do in this room, what you can do in that room. Just listen. Okay. So the next question is, um, if I'm a new agent and what's the best type of broker to work for? Um, I've never done written a contract other than practicing in class or whatever. Where would you suggest a new brand new agent just got licensed go? Because I have a friend who mm-hmm. did this, and she saw the big the big broker and the prestige, but no one was helping her. She blew a deal just because she couldn't negotiate. Are there places that offer training, or how do you stay up on what current trends and how to maybe close people on listing? Or I think it's – I mean, I think that you need to investigate and really interview each brokerage for what you need. So everybody's different. And if you really need somebody who's going to handhold you, you need to make sure that either that broker is going to be available to you or that they have some sort of a mentor program where somebody's going to be committed to kind of holding your hand about throughout the process. I don't think there's a lot of guaranteed programs where somebody's really going to take that time and, and sit and watch you. So that's where I feel like a lot of new agents benefit from being part of a team. So you recommend someone starting on a team? I think it's, I think it's a good opportunity to start on a team. Because one, you have some business already generated, so you can get experience doing deals quicker. And then you've got different team members that all kind of are in line working toward the same goal, right? You want your team to be successful. Mm -hmm. So that team can kind of work with you, that team member or the team lead can walk you through the contract, can walk you through how the team handles these scenarios. Mm -hmm. They're going to give you much more um, personalized experience than calling a broker line. Or trying to get maybe the office manager on the weekend and they don't 
they're not available on the weekend. Yeah, they don't pick so up. So you don't, as a new agent, you don't know the questions to ask on that broker line. So you need a person who's going to be committed to your success. Mm-hmm. So when you got your first deal, how'd you celebrate? Uh, gosh, my first deal, I can't even, it's been a while. <laughs> How did I celebrate? Um, I think me and my family all just went out to dinner like, yeah. when I got it because it was like, oh, we got a deal. And I don't know. And so when you told your husband, you know what, I'm going to quit this great, secure job and I'm going to go into something that's not secure. Mm-hmm. What did he think of that? He said, I mean, he's always been really good about supporting me on all my different things. So he said, if that's what you want to do, I put my money on you any day. So he said, you know, you do you and and we'll be here for you. How long should a new um, agent kind of put aside, you know, you know, before their first deal? Because, you know, it takes a little bit of time and it could be anywhere from now. Nah, obviously, if you get a cash deal, that's great. But that's not very often, you know, how, how much time or reserves do you think a person should have on the side? I think at least you should have six months wow. salary to cover you to get you like six months salary for living. Mm-hmm. And then you should have some sort of money in a bucket for marketing and to get yourself started. Mm-hmm. Because when I started, I made sure to have so much money in case like for, to supplement the salary that I wasn't getting anymore. Right. But I didn't want to take from that for my marketing. And I didn't want to um, take away from my marketing because if you're new, you have to promote yourself. You have to market yourself. So I had also saved I don't know. I think I maybe started with ten, fifteen thousand in just committed to marketing and branding, mm-hmm. so I could get into the business. And the marketing is definitely different now. Like, are you doing like TikTok videos and no. <laughs> pointing at stuff? And <laughs> I can't do TikTok because I just don't understand it. And I know I feel like an old person. My partner Marla is awesome at TikTok. Yeah. So I feel like I just lived through her. Okay. Yeah, because it's different. I mean, you you have to have a social presence, and a lot of people just they're resistant to that. But that's how people find you, especially organically. TikTok's a big deal, and I should learn how to do it, but I I just can't I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, I'll get there one day. I have a few videos in there, but I always feel (laughs) silly doing it. I was like, this is weird. Just I'd rather just say what I have to say, and but you know, it's where people are getting things done. So yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um. All right. One more question. Um, where do you see when you say the market is going to be balanced out? Where do you see things next year? Like kind of the beginning, because we're at the halfway part of the year. So where do you see things in 2023? You know, I think we're going to still be in a balanced market. We might even kind of be more of a buyer's market by then, depending upon what happens with interest rates. And I mean, none of us know the answers to those things. Well, we know the theories. and Yeah, so we don't really know. So I'd say balanced or slightly buyer's market. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell this at this point. I think a balanced market would be awesome. And if we can kind of keep in that direction, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see – there was a – I heard something from someone saying that they think that Phoenix is going to become like L.A. where it's going to be connected all the way to Tucson. Do you think that's something that's going to happen? I don't know. I've heard that. And I think it makes sense. Um, there's lots of land there. There's a lot of land. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of land and a lot of freeway. <laughs> yeah. And I know there's opportunity because we continue to get people coming here and we need more space. Yeah. So I don't know. As a native, how do you feel about everybody coming here? 
Oh, I don't mind it. He doesn't bother you? No, okay. I don't mind it. I love seeing the valley grow and seeing how different things are. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of cool. We've turned into a grown-up city now, like a grown-up <laughs> place, <laughs> a grown-up state. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're not doing real estate, what hobbies do you have? What, what do you do on your downtime besides working out, like fun uh, stuff? And I'm Fun stuff. Cool. I love to travel. Me and my family like to go take different trips this year. We haven't had much time, but uh, travel for sure. I used to love watching uh, – Baseball and football. My son, well, he still plays baseball in college. I just don't get to see him as often because he's out of state. Um, but my other son played football. So that was our hobby for many years, mm-hmm. watching uh, the boys. I also like to hike. Okay. We spend a lot of time at the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. I recently learned to, started learning to play golf. So oh, that's that right? become a hobby now. And it's well, fun. that's a great place to make connections. Yeah, and... it's been a fun time. Yeah. So. Why'd you do that? Just you've always wanted to do that? Or just... I've always wanted to play golf, and I just never did anything about it. And one of my girlfriends was wanting to do the same, and she's like, we need to take lessons. So we started taking lessons, and we've been doing it now, and it's been a lot of fun. It's that's like a awesome. good getaway, too, where we just go and just have a good time. That's cool. Very cool. All right. Well, a lot of my buddies play golf. I'm not – not a golfer. <laughs> not really. And, and the few times I've played, I'm just I'm not much of one comedy. either. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not my sport at all. So, um, all right. So tell everybody how to find you and um, where they can find you on social media. So I have, uh, I am on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. You can find me heathersellshomes.com and that's sells with a Z. Um, or the Rodriguez Group.com. And uh, it's GRP, the Rodriguez GRP.com. Okay. Right. So I um, always ask my guests um, what is the main thing you want to accomplish by the end of this year? So if I see you again, I can hold you accountable. By the end of this year? Yeah. What's something that you start like? I know resolutions are kind of corny, but, like, did you start this year going, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z this year? Uh, yeah. I usually do goals for the year. <laughs> How close are you to your goals? Um, work goals, I'm close. We're doing well. Um, our work goal, our team goal is to surpass $25 million in wow. sales this year. So That's we're awesome. on path for that. Um, and... I'm trying to think. I had some other personal goals. I don't know if those will happen by the end of the year. We'll see. <laughs> uh, who? So you're the boss. So who holds you accountable? I think I pulled myself accountable. So how do you know. do that? I'm do you, pretty good. Do you, have, do you follow systems? Do you do you know track yourself? I do track. Like I track everything. I track all my appointments. I track my prospecting time. I track all of that. Very good. And I try by the end. Not try. I do by the end of the week. I go back. And I look, did I complete that or did I go through that or did I follow that or did I miss opportunities there? And what I have found is when I do get laxed on prospecting, you feel it like the next month. Yeah. So you know exactly what you're doing wrong. So tracking's always been big and I use my calendar for everything. Awesome. Awesome. So that's how I've held myself accountable. Uh-huh. Well, is there anything else you'd like people to know about you? Um. Just that uh, if you ever do have questions about real estate in general, I'm always happy and happy to help answer them. doesn't mean you have to work with me or use me. 
I just am happy to share any information are you, I have. Are you open to helping other agents? And always helping other agents, okay. yes. I've helped agents from other brokerages and answered questions. I'm actually meeting with um, a girl who's considering getting into real estate. She's in college now. So I'm always happy to help because I do Excellent. think it's a great career. I and think so too. I think it's sometimes people don't understand how much opportunity is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy helping others. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. Um, we definitely will have you back when the market changes, when it maybe balances out, so you can give us the forecast of what to do. All right, folks, that is it for this episode, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence. You can catch me on my website at fitover40.online. You can catch me on Instagram at the Coach Clarence. You can catch me on YouTube at Coach Clarence TV. And if you have an idea for a show or a guest you may want to book, email us at info at coachclarence.com. We look forward to seeing you soon. And remember my motto, if you can't be good, be good at it.